Greetings, and welcome to episode three of the Loaded Card Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they talk about the things they love and hate about video games and the gaming industry. week's episode, we talk about the different types of funding available for video games and why Paul hates early access. Brought to you by Kickstarter. Just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Cart Podcast, a show where we do something a little bit more serious rather than our ridiculous antics on YouTube and Twitch. I am Paul of What's Paul Playing Today, and with me is Chop the Viking, otherwise known as Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going, Paul? Pretty damn good. I am freaking exhausted, but uh, let's get this show on the road. I see you are wearing a snazzy, snazzy sweatshirt there, sir. Yeah, this is one of a kind. It is the original uh, What's Paul Playing Today hoodie. I'm pretty excited by it. I've had this thing for almost a year now. Shameless plug. <laughs> shameless, shameless plug. Actually, this the original design was by a guy named uh, Mark Lobenthal. And if you take a look at any of our art, uh, my art on YouTube or the Loaded Cart art, it's all by Mark. He's a really cool artist. Check out his site. If you can't spell his name, we'll probably put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll likely go there. My art was done by a couple of random guys on a uh, really great design website, which I will probably plug at a later date. Um, it's a... You ended up doing a contest for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a really, really cool site if you need stuff like that. Uh, it's a little pricey for some people, depending on what you're doing, but I love both of the things that I got out of it. Oh, they, they were really cool designs. I, I couldn't be more pleased with those. So yeah. today, since we didn't introduce our topic, today is game funding, early access and Kickstarter. And I'm kind of on the fence about whether I should plug the line I just talked about. What do you think? The... Uh, the quote I was thinking of? <laughs> you can. I mean, I, it'll definitely set up your opinion for the entire show, but... Uh, yeah, okay. I'll do it anyway. Because uh, it is going to set up my opinion for the entire show. My entire idea behind Kickstarter and any game funding in general, just Steam Early Access and Kickstarter, it's a good idea dragged down by bastards. But um, before we get into that, we have our usual stuff, which is anything that we had to think of from last topic i don't think we got anything just now i haven't thought about anything uh no i mean there's there's some cool indie stuff going on one of the games we talked about in the last one evo land apparently is getting a sequel which either is going to be really cool the trailer looks really cool if you haven't seen it um I haven't yet. or it's going to be the same really thing over again so <laughs> but but the, the trailer looks awesome like so hopefully they just use that mechanic really well again yeah but again is it like a gimmick going uh, through the eras of game development for rpgs i I, th or... I think that's definitely a gimmick to be honest with you it's just taking a bunch of gimmicks from other games which but, make in and of itself creates some gimmick yes it, but it's you know that that same argument would yeah is it going to be tired now because they've already done a game and it's not going to be as good the second time around like will the novelty have worn off or you know it'll be interesting to see as long as they continue the trend and not do the shitty portion of it and just rehash the original stuff, I think it'll be fine. 
Yeah. So that's all the follow-up that I currently have from the last episode. I don't know if we, you know, there's nothing really to rehash about the our major publisher or AAA games one at the moment. So uh, not really. Do you have anything cool going on right now in the game industry? I do. I do. Thank you for the setup. That's that's a really nice plug. Actually, in preparation for Fallout 4's impending arrival fairly soon, I believe it's in November, I am playing through Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Currently, I'm on Fallout 3. Both of them are being broadcasted on my Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash R-A-Z-O-K-K-U-L-L. I will not be putting a lot of the stuff on YouTube because there's just so much content, and I think that would just clog the channel with all kinds of Fallout stuff. I did, however, put up the... Dunwich Building, which, if you're familiar with Lovecraftian lore, is uh, similar to the Dunwich Village of H.P. Lovecraft stories. And in this case, it is very creepy. It's got a nice, creepy atmosphere. And in that episode, I'm joined by Kevin of the Retro Run. I talked about him before, but he's a really cool dude. Anyway, it's very Lovecraftian. You go through, and there's all kinds of holotapes of this guy just slowly descending into madness and becoming a ghoul. It's really neat and really a fun little playthrough. What about you? You got anything interesting going on? Kind of. A couple of cool little things. Used to be a AAA designer. Now, I think more of an indie designer. Uh, everyone knows Cliffy B, Cliff Blazinski. Blazinski. Yeah, he's, uh, he used to be, um, I believe, Epic, right? Yes, he did. He was. He's one of the men responsible for Unreal and Gears of War. If you're into that sort of thing, you know, cover-based shooting, great. If well, not, well... Hmm. Un- Unreal was definitely not a cover-based shooter. It was. It was not, but I was... Thinking yeah. more along the lines of Gears of War, which was definitely a cover-based shooter. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Gave birth uh, to them, really. But he has a new studio that he founded, and they have been teasing a big announcement and released a teaser trailer with some uh, pre-rendered video for a game that they're going to be releasing gameplay footage of and doing a more formal announcement tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, Friday. On Friday. <laughs> I think it's called Lawbreakers, and it, it, it looks kind of interesting. It's... It's going to have crazy over-the-top gameplay, so it might be what we were talking about with AAA shooters. It might be a fun, fast-paced, action-packed first-person shooter with death, Team Deathmatch. Who knows? We'll find out on Friday. Maybe. Uh, the company is Boss Key Productions. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Um, the other thing, to go way back to the first episode, uh, we were discussing a couple of really weird, obscure Elder Scrolls titles. The fact that they had a multiplayer game called Battlespire way back in the day after Daggerfall. And they also made an adventure game called Redguard. Surprise! Today, they released both of these games on good old games. And if you buy either of them, you get Arena, Elder Scrolls 1, and Daggerfall, Elder Scrolls 2, for nice. free. Nice. For free. That's pretty awesome. The other game that they released, of course, Morrowind. Uh, Everyone knows and loves Morrowind. So you have Morrowind, Redguard, Battlespire, Arena, and Daggerfall, all available on good old games now. And you can also buy uh, both Skyrim and Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. You can buy all of them (laughs) on good old games now. Also, to harken back to Cliffy B's Lawbreakers, it's going to be free to play, which I'm kind of on the fence about. Free to play is an episode coming in the future because there's... It's either done right or it's done horribly. Yeah, we'll get to that at a later date. But right now, let's uh, head right into our episode of the day, which is early access and Kickstarter. There's a lot of ways they can go right 
and a lot of ways they can go wrong. We mentioned FTL last time, which is a hugely successful Kickstarter campaign. I know we both enjoy the game at the very least. I've never beaten it. I th did you beat it? I don't remember if you said. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I would love to at some point, but not anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, I played it recently and uh, got my ass thoroughly kicked from here to the other side of the quadrant. Nice. But I think if we're going to talk about funding methods like Kickstarter and early access, it's it's important to know what funding is available to developers out there. And really, there are probably a, a few more than this, and there are some really obscure ones, but I, there are basically four. There are, the four major ones, at least. Yeah. You can go for a publisher, which is what everyone tries to do. Because that's where the money is. Like the piggy bank. Yeah, they pay for you to make the game. That's fantastic. I, I would love that option. Like that would be, that'd be great. There's uh, some the troubles, but because mm -hmm. with the publisher, they also get a lot of say in what's going on in the game. So Correct. there's some troubles there. But I mean, you do get a lot of money, but you also get less say in your right. own game. And we're going to cover all of these in depth here in a minute. You have what's called angel investors, which you don't really see a lot of in the gaming industry to my knowledge because you basically will never hear about it but the concept is someone has a buttload of money and they pick little pet projects and throw money at them to let the person live their dream and and, and do something awesome with their lives and themselves it, like i said you don't really hear a lot about it it's venture Pro capitalism it is probably the closest you would ever get to that in the gaming industry might be studio was it studio 38 in yes, was it Vermont yes. with with Kurt lucky Schilling 30, yeah lucky 38 studios I believe no no I'm sorry lucky I'm confusing fallout it is studio 30 uh, studio god I can remember Kurt Schilling uh basically it was um it's whatever his number is I'm sure <laughs> it is yeah um it, it but, is studio 38 because I kept thinking it was something to do with the 38 special yeah but but I don't think that that is a case of an angel investor more so that he just was very interested in video games and bankrolled the company and was part of the uh, board yeah. of directors. And, and, but, but also there's that Rhode Island failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that comes what everyone is familiar with now, crowdfunding, the, the Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Rocket, Rocket Fund, I think is another, there's a bunch of smaller ones, yeah. but yeah, they're, they're all there. And then there's early access, Steam Greenlight kind of things, selling access to your alpha and your beta to further fund the game. And before we dig into these, I think it is really important to come into this with the understanding that the vast majority of video games never get finished. There That's are... True tons of games that die at all stages of development yep. no matter how many how much money you throw at a game sometimes it just doesn't it, materialize it needs to be thrown away it's not going to make its money back it's not financially duke nukem forever i was about to say you're, you're about to throw out duke nukem uh, <laughs> yeah uh, but that's very important to, to know is that no matter how much money they get no matter what kind of crowdsourcing or or whatever funding they get not every game is going to see the light of day. In fact, more it's more likely than not to not see the light of day. So people should know that a lot of these, you know, Kickstarter darlings, they're, they're an exception. They're like, an exception to they, a very strict rule. Yes. But that being said, let's dig into publisher funding. Uh, okay. But publishers, like I said earlier, and I definitely want to dig into depth in this. 
you don't get nearly as much say in your game as you think you do. The publishers, there's there's two types of publisher titles. One, they fund the game that you're making, or two, they license out your company to make the game that they want. Correct. Which you, is you see a lot of that, especially with the bigger titles. Um, yep. I would love to see how many different companies are working are currently working on Assassin's Creed games. Oh, sweet Jesus! Because they're basically doing an Assassin's Creed game every year, and it probably yep. takes three or four years to make one of those games. So I would I would love to see how many and what companies are working on them. I don't know if you're going to be able to find it because you probably don't know about half of the Assassin's Creed games that are being made right now. That's true. Uh, trying to think of some other ones that are out there. I mean, we all know Call of Duty is made by at least three different companies now. Um, I can honestly tell you that the sheer magnitude of them is astonishing. What, the Assassin's Creed games? The, the series, not only the main games, but also the spin-off games. Well, there were, there were two Assassin's Creed games released last year, I think. Uh -huh. uh, one of them was Rogue, I think. Assassin's Creed Rogue and Assassin's Creed Unity were released in 2014. Dead Kings, a spinoff of Unity, came out. Then Assassin's Creed Syndicate was released this year, or will release this year. Yeah, the PC version of that is delayed, by the way, which I found out. Which today, really doesn't which, surprise me. Which uh, I don't care about anymore. <laughs> the entire franchise is mainly developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. And generally, the mobile versions are developed by Gameloft, which is an Ubisoft company. Huh. So, only it two. so it's so it's only subdivisions of of Ubisoft Montreal, uh, Ubisoft, which is probably Ubisoft Montreal, and a bunch of subdivisions with, there within. That's but actually, it's very surprising. I, I am surprised as well. But you got to think of how just how large Ubisoft is. It's huge. Sure. It's got divisions in France. It's got divisions in Montreal. It's got divisions in the U.S. There's a lot of Ubisoft around. Right, but if only one of their studios is working on it, which I imagine with Ubisoft Montreal, it's a huge studio though. So they've probably got subdivisions within subdivisions working on it. It's possible. But yeah, like like we said, when it comes to publishers, they're by far the most common way of getting your game funded. They pack the most money behind them. And the biggest drawback to them is that you end up with probably the least amount of control for your game because they will come in and be like, oh, I don't like this. How about you change that? 25 games in total, including <laughs> spinoff titles. I'm sorry. I, that's why I wasn't saying anything because I had to count. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Assassin's Creed out there. There's a ton, and you wonder why I'm sick of it. Yeah, although well, the main storyline is over. Assassin's Creed 3 ended it, so. Yeah, and then they've got the next storyline with Assassin's Creed 4, which you take place as an employee of the company. I can't remember what the yeah. company's called. Of mm. Ubisoft. Essentially, but no, <laughs> the, the people who developed the... I, I can't. I'm. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if it wasn't a parallel for Ubisoft. Oh, it is. Because I, I believe they're in Montreal and yeah. Yeah, it's, Abstergo it's, is the company. Yeah. I just remembered. I played Black Flag for a little bit and it was okay. Yeah, There's I got to a point right where like uh, I had to like level up my pirate ship to be able to get any further, and that just bored the shit out of me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, up next, we get angel investors, which are by far the least common, or at least the least, as far as we know, the least common way of getting money. I don't even know how, as a game company, you would approach this unless you just knew someone who had a shitload of money. That That's got to be the most common way. Because you've got a favorite uncle who will give you their money, or honestly, angel investors can come in numerous forms, not just for money, but from places to work, like yeah. a, a, a studio place that someone just... Sure. I, I, I can imagine something crazy like, you know, you make a game and someone's kid 
loves it and it's the best game their kid has ever played and it's their favorite thing in the universe and therefore they might step up and go like here make a sequel to that game because my son loves it or i hear you're working on a sequel to this game here make make it even better Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day there's no way there's no no way to know like unless they come out and say like hey we we got a shitload of money from from this dude from x yeah Yeah. it's it's very uncommon though and you can't really think about because there's so many ways they could go with it like Kurt Schilling, I would think, would just be his interest in video games because we did bring him up earlier, but I don't think he'd be an angel investor so much as just, I'm going to pour money into my yeah. passion well, that isn't yeah, baseball. It was definitely an investment on his part. I, I Absolutely. Would, I would not call that an angel investor because he owned the company. Like, it wasn't... Yeah, yeah. And, and that's... It'd be a different story if someone gave him money to continue to do it yeah. from outside and had no best interest. Yeah, it's like the citizens of Rhode Island. No, but we, that's that's. You know, God, that was such a cluster. <laughs> God, just uh, reading about that makes my heart hurt. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So next we hit crowdfunding. Yeah, and, yeah, and this Kickstarter, is Indiegogo. By, by far, seems to be the most popular way to fund little indie games, especially. I've also heard from some developers that basically publishers now will wait and they will say, Oh, show us that people want to play this game and we'll make someone run something like a Kickstarter and show that they can, they can raise, you know, $200,000 for the game on their own. And then once they do that, the publisher will step in and go, okay, you obviously have an audience here. Here's some extra money that you've already made on top of Kickstarter. That sucks. Yeah, I, but like I said, the only example of that that I know of, that 100% for certain, was the remake and remastering of Leisure Suit Larry, the original Leisure Suit Larry game. Because he wanted to make a new Leisure Suit Larry game, right. and the publisher said, I don't think there's interest in a new Leisure Suit Larry game. How about you redo the first game? And if there's enough interest in that, we'll fund remake. And so they basically forced him to do a remake of the first game before they would even consider doing a new Leisure Suit Larry game, which gotcha, gotcha, which sucks, but a little bit, but it succeeded. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to crowdsourcing, there's really two majors, two big ones in the industry, and they to some degree operate drastically differently but they're Um, also extremely similar yes so the one most people are probably familiar with is kickstarter Mm -hmm. and if you are not familiar with kickstarter the way it works you post something on a website you show off you basically you make a video introducing yourself to the world and your product to the world and you show how far you are along and you kind of make a plea saying like hey You know, now we just need help from people like you, from consumers. And if we can raise X amount of money, we'll be able to produce our product. And the way Kickstarter is designed is it's all or nothing. If if you set your goal at $20,000 and you make $19,999, you are screwed. Zero. You get nothing out at the end of the time limit, which I believe they've raised to 60 days now, but I it used to be only 30. 30 was the max. I believe you can set both. You can, uh, But most people just default to 30 because they don't know that the 60 days exists. Uh, it, it didn't for a very long time. It's a very, right, it's, right. it's 
within the past year or so they've raised it. But that's that's the one most people know about. And it's probably because that's the one that a lot of cult hero game designers turn to for their love children yep. in 2012. Double Fine Studios, FTL, Star Citizen, just name well, a few. Well, the, the big ones, with the, the first really, really big one was Double Fine. And yep. like, hey, we want to make an adventure game. And people were like, holy crap, Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer are making an adventure game. Here's $4 million. <laughs> yep. Yeah, please, here, Kev, take all the money. Shut up and take my money, Fry. But what I think that they did that was really important was they, they did the documentary. So you got to see the behind the scenes. You got to see where things went off the rails. like And Just they did. Doing they, this. They went I'm throwing away. my money at the screen, but nothing's happening. <laughs> but stuff did happen. And, yeah. and But that is that was a very good example of how you could throw $4 million at a game that was originally supposed to cost forty thousand, four hundred thousand dollars. Yep, and it may not get finished because it almost didn't. Yeah, and th- did it get finished? Ever? Oh, did they, they finish? They, it? they have officially finished it. There's part two has oh, been shit. released. Okay, okay. Uh, it, it was released several months ago. They kind of snuck it out, but yeah, it. They, that's how how bad it got. They had to release half of the game to fund the other half of the game. Because they ran out of money. Um, I was not a huge proponent of Double Fine. I never watched their stuff. I will be totally honest. Monkey Island's a hilarious game. Oh, uh, they're great. Grim Fandango was great. I, you know, their stuff is really good. Like, they're, historically, their stuff is awesome. Sure. I put money into Double Fine specifically because, like you said earlier, great idea. Like, yep. the idea that someone can come in and make their, you know, these big professional designers can make their love child and not be... And not to not, worry about a publisher, not have to... Yeah, not, have to not have that evil over Twist their vision. Yes. To anything but what they want to do. Yeah, what they want to do and what the fans want was a phenomenal idea. And yep. to see that one be successful is what started the cascade. So after that, there was Brian Fargo with... Mm-hmm. Wasteland 2. Which, if you're not familiar with uh, Brian Fargo, he's the lead designer of Wasteland, Fallout, and Fallout 2. He was with uh, Black, Black Isle. Isle Studios. And uh, now he's now it's in Exile, I think, is the name of his career. In Exile Entertainment. So, yeah, so he, he did, he started Wasteland 2, a game that he's wanted to make for like 20 years, apparently. Then Jordan Weissman came out of the woodwork and fantastically redid, like, did a new Shadowrun game, which was amaze balls and they're now on their third full game yep and plus uh two extra expansion packs yeah one one expansion it, I was, it, was, it was two it was the the original Shadowrun returns and then the dragon something Dra- other, right? dragonfall expansion which is germany yeah and now it's hong kong is it, but they're basically they've spun dragonfall off into its own game because mm-hmm. It was enough content to make a complete game. And it was kind of funny. That I was listening to a different podcast and they were discussing how one of them had played the original Shadowrun. Because they were supposed to play Shadowrun, the original Shadowrun game. And one of them played Shadowrun and the other one played Dragonfall because they, they were using the launcher and didn't realize that Dragonfall was a different game. I was like, oh, I just want to play the Dragonfall because I figured it was an expansion pack that had mm-hmm. new content. And it did, but a whole new game's worth of content. <laughs> yeah, it, had, it, it was it was a full game, especially the director's cut. So yeah, that, that was my favorite by far because I'm a huge Jordan Weissman fan from, yep. from way, way back in the day. One of the coolest things that I got to do recently uh, was last year. Mm-hmm. He was at a, lo- a small local convention here. Oh, 
small compared to Dragon Con. It was about Dragon Con's huge. Yeah, it, it was it was about small. I would say it would be about five or six thousand people as opposed to uh, Dragon Con sixty thousand people. Yeah, <laughs> um, huge. It's it's enormous, but it was only in two of the hotels compared to Dragon Con's five. Right. But he came and was one of the speakers there, and he was showing off Golem Arcana. So I got to play Golem Arcana with someone with Jordan Weissman's son kind of showing us all the rules and, and walking awesome. us through the steps, which is cool. Like, yeah. like that was that was just a really cool moment. I got him to autograph a couple of books for me. He autographed the short story collection that came with the uh, Shadowrun Returns Collector's Edition. And then I brought a paperback copy of the very first short story collection for Shadowrun ever. And he looked at it and was just like, wow, not many of these exist anymore. <laughs> Wow, and he happily autographed it for me, no which kidding. was really, really funny. It was, it says, uh, it's it's in storage now, or well, in a box in here probably. That had um, to be a huge moment. But it says, uh, his autograph says, uh, "Never, never deal with dragons." I think because that was one of the old school first Shadron quotes, which was really, really fantastic for me because I'm something of a fanboy. But you know, no, that's clear. <laughs> we're, we're also forgetting one of the big ones, uh, Patreon. Which is really interesting because if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's kind of a monthly stipend type thing that you give to a creator. So it's similar to a monthly fee night like Netflix or Amazon or anything like that. However, what you're doing is you're giving the monthly fee to the creator. You can set any really real limit. Uh, I think it's the minimum is a dollar and you can go by any increment that you want from that. You can give like a dollar and a penny if you really want to, if you kind of want to be a dick about it. It's basically you're subscribing to the person and their artistic endeavors instead of right. subscribing to their YouTube channel. It's it's a way to get them it's, money outside of advertising for their stuff. Yep. Um, Which is actually kind of an interesting way to get rid of advertising. If I get X number of dollars in Patreon a month, I'll remove the advertising from my channel, for example. I mean, I'm not going to actually do that. It's just to give you some. There's a, a YouTuber that I'm a huge fan of whose name is CGP Gray, and he does some really, really great videos just explaining stuff, really great educational videos. But he specifically did a patreon because he did not want to plaster ads all over his his videos if and, i were as popular as gray was i'd do the same thing but i'm nowhere near his popularity yeah yeah no, but not many people are because his he does he does about a video a month and makes a crap load of money but he's also a very skilled animator not as skilled as you think he is He's more skilled than I am, guaranteed he ha also has a podcast uh, with another youtuber and they they've talked about his inspiration was actually Yahtzee from uh, yeah. from Zero Punctuation, which is hilarious. But he does the same thing. It's it's not PowerPoint, but they're basically just PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> and that's actually so slight side rail. Uh, Yahtzee, if you look at his things on Zero Punctuation, yep. his, his people are made by shapes that naturally exist in PowerPoint. It's an oval circle, circles for the hands in these weird little shapes that are the feet that's interesting but they're all just you know you just you rotate them you do whatever you need to do like they're all super super basic it's it's brilliant it's no wonder you can get one out a week yeah it's but it's hilarious that that's that derailment for a second and so, now we're on to our final section well we still got we still got a couple of other you, you mentioned patreon we talked about kickstarter there's also indiegogo indiegogo is more famous as a movie funding platform like it's that's or book like, yeah. or other medium that isn't yeah. video gaming there are video games that do use it a lot of times they will double tap 
because you can do a Kickstarter campaign and then do an Indiegogo campaign and collect money from both. The important difference between Indiegogo and Kickstarter is that there are two different funding options for Indiegogo. There is the all or nothing that Kickstarter uses, which Indiegogo takes a smaller percentage of money out of because they both take money out of it. it sure, it sure. About it's how they make money. It's about 4% of whatever it is. For a $4 million campaign, yeah, you get exactly. a lot of money. Indiegogo has another version of it where no matter how much money you raise, even if it's under your goal, you keep that money minus their, I think, 8%. Still a lot of money, but at the same time, you still so, get to keep yeah, a small so, amount. So if you shoot for 200000 make 50000 you still have at least 50000 and then you can relaunch your campaign for 150000 That's That's, the, a little bit more that's the idea. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the general idea behind it. But the important part is, is that if a game got really close, like if they got 18000 out of 20000 they could probably cut some corners and still make that game or make up that money somewhere else. Like it's still possible. Yeah. But that's, that is an important distinction is that there, it, it allows it to function in ways other ones can't. It's, I, I don't know of any huge success stories from Indiegogo. I have, I don't pay attention to it as much. There's a couple of ones that I have just because mostly I, one of them, I knew the developer frog dice did yeah. one for stash, I think. They did uh, that. They didn't go go. I thought they did a Kickstarter, or did they double dip? They did both. Okay. I don't know many of that have used it. I'm I'm sure if we went and looked right now, it'd be like, oh, those are, there's some cool ideas yeah, on here. Yeah. But most people, when they think game funding, they think Kickstarter. Yep. Um, because that's what, the, what Kickstarter was originally for is is game funding, wasn't it? Well, no, it's it's for anything. Right, but what was the original function of it? It was just they just advertised it as anything. Yeah, it's it's a find funding for your thing. Like I have ordered tons of shit off of Kickstarter as I hold up my watch that was funded through Kickstarter. Here's a pen that was funded through Kickstarter. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, have, I tend to, I have stuff I, I, all over the place. Like I I, I love the platform because you get like the pen sounds stupid. Like oh, why would you buy a pen off of Kickstarter? It's made of titanium. Yes. And it can use ink inserts, like ink cartridges from like 30 or 40 different pen companies. So like, I don't know what I have. What's, what do I have in it right now? It might be Montblanc. Like I have a ridiculous pen cartridge in there. Nope, this one's Cross. So yeah, it's a gel rollerball refill. I like the idea of Kickstarter. Yeah. The execution can use some work, especially with people bilking the amount of money. Because I'm, I'm a very... I'm very heavily handed on early access and Kickstarter. And I hate to segue this way, but I want to get I want to get into early access as much as we can because as I said earlier in the podcast, it's a good idea dragged down by bastards. The original theory was to be able to purchase essentially pre-purchase at a lower rate for the most part a a, a, <laughs> a early access copy which essentially means hey you're paying us to alpha test as opposed to us paying you to alpha test. And that mm -hmm. pisses me off, but we'll get <laughs> to that in a little bit. It gives the players the early access to titles they want to see made. I mean, it, it, it's a good idea because it gives the struggling devs, the kind of people like our friends over at uh, Frog Dice when they were first starting out with their game companies that weren't the mud that we met through. Mm -hmm. It gives them the ability to get the, the funds to, give their, to get their game finished. And it worked really well for them. Not really access, but Kickstarter worked really well for them. Mm -hmm. And smaller devs can secure the funding that they need without having to go to a publisher or publishers saying, no, no one's interested in this. 
but early access can say, hey, we want this. I'm going to give you money for it. The trouble is that everyone, everyone seems to have jumped on the bandwagon of early access. They promise a better game with all this money that they're going to make from the early access. Then they just sit there and wallow in that money. And everyone seems to jump on that money, but some of the games never get finished. There's an indefinite completion date. They want to finish the game, but then they get to other projects or they get hired on at other studios because of the game that they're working on. I've seen that happen with a couple of game devs. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's gone to a ridiculous degree. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, and and that's that's the problem with all of the crowdfunding stuff is that not every game gets completed. In so, fact, most games don't. Yeah, I, there's one that's in early access now that did a Kickstarter back in the day that has actually been really cool to kind of follow. It's called Grim Dawn. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a Diablo clone game. I, I've seen it on style. on Steam's uh, front page. So the guy who's spearheading the the thing is one of the lead developers on Titan Quest. And he and a couple of his artist buddies wanted to make a game like Titan Titanfall. They wanted to make an actual Titan Quest because the yes. trouble with Titan Quest is that all of the maps it's that you see in the game are not procedurally yeah. generated. You're playing the same maps over and over, which is where Correct. Grim Dawn came in. Well, Grim Dawn is procedurally generated. Exactly. That's where Grim Dawn comes in because they wanted to make something, well, you know, right. Well, they wanted to make another Titan Quest game, but they didn't own the rights to Titan Quest. They wanted to make it right, so, the way it should have been in the first place. Right. So they, I think, just released Act 4. Mm-hmm. And this game, I mean, it was an old Kickstarter. Like, this was, I mean, you're, you're talking 2011, 2012 is when it started getting funded. And they just released Act 4, and they released a new champion. They were they were originally only going to have five classes, I think, and they just released number six. Yep. As a total surprise, because I don't think they told, they're just like, hey, thanks for thanks for being awesome with us. Here's here's a shaman, I think. Act 3 went live in June, of tw- uh, June 12th. They haven't said anything about Act 4. Uh, it just went live today. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure that's what my email said earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I'm I'm just looking at the Steam notes. Well, it may may not be reflected yet, or it might be just getting ready to go live. The most recent um, is August 22nd on the Steam notes. But, which is not today, but... Correct. <laughs> Yeah, but it's 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 still like really cool to like and that's that's one of the things where I think early access and and Kickstarter and stuff like that is good for is that you get to connect with the studio. Like you get to hear the updates, you get the behind the scenes stuff that was very to a limited degree out there sometimes, depending yeah. on the studio. The yeah. the ones that I really knew back in the day, id software did a lot of that stuff and so did epic to a small degree because they were and this gets really esoterically into computer stuff if you are familiar with linux and unix at all and know what a dot plan file is Mm -hmm. their dot plan files which is basically like their to-do list where they can make notes or whatever as a as a linux user like they were public record to some degree so one of the the websites that i go to for for gaming news which i will i will happily pimp right now because they're awesome. Bluesnews.com. Mm-hmm. They've been around since like the mid '90s, early '90s. Like when the when internet he, when, was still in its infancy. And the guy running the site did not know what his website looked like for like five years. <laughs> 
Like it literally, he yeah. ran the he ran the website for like three or four years, just coding the HTML, and he would do all of his updates in HTML and upload them, and had never actually had access to look at his site for like two or three years. That's nuts. Yeah, it's and and it's always kind of looked the same. It's just it's just like an and it's a news aggregator basically because people send him articles and yep. and he posts them, but he get some like really cool stuff in there and it's he even has started getting like they'll send screenshots and stuff like that directly to blues news now which is kind of cool they used to host like on the on the left side would be links to all of the plan files for like john carmack and john ramiro and and kevin cloud and like all of the id software guys whenever they would update their plan file boom there would be a new post like hey john carmack updated his plan file and you could go read the, this is what I'm planning to knock out this week. Blah 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 blah. It's like all this crazy, right. like super ridiculous graphics rendering stuff, and you'd be like, "All right, that's pretty cool." I, I understand almost none of that, but well, I'm glad that I could read this. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so so that was that, that's the, but you don't get that for most studios. Like occasionally you'll get like with the World of Warcraft box sets, when you buy the collector's editions of, of World of Warcraft, you get the DVD, like the making of DVD, which they kind of show you some behind the scenes stuff, but it's not the same as like Double Fine's documentary that they did. It's not, not the same as getting a weekly email from a developer going, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we've been working on this week. Here are the updates that we made to to the engine here's new art assets that we've been working on here's sketches of swords like here's 30 swords that we we're brainstorming over right now like that that stuff is in my opinion awesome as a gamer because i love that stuff that stuff is fantastic that's fair but it, it's it's just this weird place that the gaming industry is at where that's expected now of of crowdsourced games of early access games like people want that information if they don't get it they feel ripped off if the yeah if someone so wants that full transparency yeah if and that's where star citizen runs into trouble is that they promise that full transparency and they've had almost none like and that's just a whole mess unto itself because they did the kickstarter thing and then they turned around and did i guess a, a fourth type of crowdsourcing where they just set up paypal and said hey you can buy these packages directly from us with no middleman and and raised like 90 bajillion dollars and now there's theoretically a class action lawsuit on the horizon if they don't start being transparent i would be surprised if they didn't get out of this with at least one class action lawsuit there's i almost hate to feed this fire because it's that's what it's starting to look like right now but there's a we talked yeah, about gasoline on it. Yeah, we 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 talked about thinking the first episode Derek Smart and how he got his money refunded from Star Citizen. Like he complained about the way that they're handling their game production, and they they just gave him his his donation back. We may have, but I don't remember it personally. But yeah. Anyway, so apparently they've been like really bad mouthing him and stuff. Like the the studio making Star Citizen has been really bad mouthing. Derek Smart lately, and he has turned around and basically not quite to the level of like, we're demanding this via the Patriot Act, but like literally saying like, you guys need to open your books. You guys need to to be transparent like you promised you were, right. or I'm filing suit. Wow. And, and he is he is literally a, 
like a couple of steps away of filing a lawsuit against them because they're not being transparent. Right. Uh, right. And he, he thinks that it's basically, they're just not going to, you know, they're never going to fulfill their promise to their game, to their people. And they're hiding this fact and just collecting more money when really they need to shut the door. And he's willing to make it a class action lawsuit. It really like all of those balls are already in motion for it to be filed. They're at a, he's they're in a Mexican standoff right now, basically, yeah. which is kind of funny. He's giving them a shot to say, hey, OK, let's put all the cards on the table. And he's sitting there waiting for a point to I, some indefinite date of when they're not going to do it. They're obviously not going to do it. And he's like, OK, we're done here. Let's just start filing suit. Yeah, he posted like a ten thousand word mana manifesto decree thing the other day of like what he has planned. It's it's insane. Like it's really it's really long. It's 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 like ten thousand words, and people have been jumping all over his crap. And there's even someone who apparently is he posted something on Facebook about how he's like con- someone is really concerned at, at, with his the stuff that he's been saying. Because they're $32,000 in on Star Citizen and they're afraid they're not going to get what they paid for. No shit. Yeah. 32 grand? Who the hell is going to pay that much? Well, you know, when you're getting all of these one of a kind ships you're never going to be able to get again. Okay. In That's a still ridiculous. Video game. Yeah, exactly. Like some of the packages that they had available are several hundred dollars for a single ship. And they haven't even talked about whether or not that ship is going to be permanently in their stable or whether the ship is, you know, if it gets blown up, if it's gone. Like, I don't know if any of that stuff has been kind of those details have been hammered out. But why would you pay even $200 for a ship? And I, I don't that makes no sense to me. But I am not the target audience for that game. So clearly, clearly, I, my my opinion is not important to the developers because I am not someone like I would play it to, to tool around with. Sure. I'm not going to invest hundreds of dollars on virtual planes because that's not right. Virtual spaceships, because that's not me. I'd, I'd rather spend that on an actual plane, you know, something that sure. I can, you know, physically go and fly someday. Yeah. I, I would rather spend it on $200 worth of games, but that's just me. <laughs> so, kind of a counterpoint like you you were talking earlier about people using early access and and offering a cheap way in early on in the development uh i have to bring up planetary annihilation i just i have to go on go on so this is a game that very early on in early access made people raise a couple of eyebrows and- I, I will say this is how i feel it should have been done in the first place because i feel like it's such a dick move but at the same time <laughs> It was such a brilliant move because it actually worked. But please go on. <laughs> so what they did was their initial offering on Steam Early Access was $99. Like you paid $100 to get in on the alpha, uh, basically get in on the alpha of Planetary Annihilation. Then several months later, when they got into beta, the price dropped down to like eighty, like $69.99 or something like that. It, it progressively stepped down. Uh, and then when the final version of the game released, it was forty nine ninety nine, which people are like, but the point is, is you're supposed to reward players for getting in and helping with the alpha testing. And they were just like, no, we want people to know that they want to be invested in this game and they want to play this game. We don't want, we don't want wishy-washy people getting involved. It, like, it, was, it was a very weird. 
Because if you're going to spend a hundred bucks on a game, you're going to be playing it. Yeah, but how much would it suck if you played that, paid that hundred bucks, and then hated the game? So many dicks. Because, <laughs> in my opinion, the biggest downside to early access is the alpha beta problem, which is, yeah. and this is you—you you personally experienced this with Trove. We, I did. We, I. We, I say we, I bought into you, the alpha. You bought it and gave me a great gift and, and I appreciate then, it. And there was a, it came with a second key. So I gave you the key so that we could run around and play Trove to check out this game while it was still in alpha. Because yep. it, it was, it had come really far, even though it was still alpha. But the problem is that when you see an alpha of a game and you see the bugginess and the lack of content, yep. with rare exceptions, <clears throat> Minecraft, most people will stop pl- slowly stop playing the game. Like I did. Because I'll be frank, I stopped playing the game because it just didn't appeal to me. At least Trove, I mean. Yeah. And then later on, when the f- game fully comes out and is fully released, uh, they... They, their opinion is, eh, I pretty much know what the game is about. I get, I got the gist of it already. I, I kind of don't care. Yeah. Like, th- they don't feel like they're they're going to be rewarded by playing the full game because they already got the gist of it in Alpha and Beta. And yep. I will be totally honest. For me, Elder Scrolls Online, I was in the Alpha test for it. I was in the Beta. I played one of the Betas. I had zero desire to play the game when it was released. Same here. The only reason I even picked up Elder Scrolls Online, and I did pick it up, grant because it was free after you purchased it. You didn't have to pay any sort of monthly fee, and I had several friends who were playing it. After they get rid of the monthly fee? Yeah, yeah. Because that monthly fee, it did go free after several months of them trying to work up subscriptions, and nobody wants to pay it. You could still pay the subscription if you wanted to and get access to extra content, but you didn't have to anymore. It went FTP. Mm-hmm. And that'll be another rant for another day. Because I will rant on that for... I could rant on that for several episodes if we really want to. Yeah, the free-to-play? Oh, God, yes. I would like to have a guest on that episode. Because uh, I know someone who would love to destroy free-to-play games. Nice. Uh, Two well, people, actually. We will, we will definitely be be certain to do that then. That might oh, be our extended first. invitations. They have, their, yeah. they have their own podcast, which premieres two days. Oh, yeah. But we if we can squeeze them on, I would I would love to. We could have our first guests. Yeah. So I, you mind if I plug them? To go for it. Is it Tadpog? It is Tadpog. Tyler and Dave play <laughs> on games. They're, they're, they're good people. They're my friends. And they have had several early access rants. And I know Dave specifically absolutely fucking... Pardon my language, or don't, I don't care, but absolutely fucking loathes early access games. And I do too. I, I can't, not early, I'm sorry, not early access, free to play. And just the free to play model, I just, mm, like, just like I struggle. said, there are definitely ways to do it right. There I can, absolutely are. I can, I can, really, wrong. I can really only name one who does it right, but there are ways to do it right. But we'll get um, to that in another episode. I think we're about out of topic. I, I think we've I think pretty so. much. I, I think we've covered about everything. Yeah, um, we beat it to death. <laughs> I don't know if we got beat to death. There's probably still a lot we can talk about, but like Granted. the problem is, when you want video games, you need money because you have to be able to Absolutely. pay programmers to live to make these games, and artists, and and modelers, and animators, and it has to come from somewhere. So it, it's Oops. sadly it's a pick your devil because you're probably not getting an angel investor. Yeah. Uh, so it's 
is and it, unless you want to do it yourself, do everything yourself. And and there are people that screwed. do, and and you you see a lot of those stories on Kickstarter. Like I I mortgaged my house, I paid thirty thousand dollars. I don't know why Paul's pointing at himself because I'm doing that right now. <laughs> Not mortgaging my house or paying thirty thousand yeah. dollars, but I'm doing the whole yeah build your own like, game. But there are definitely people that have you know they emptied out their life savings, they they went under on their house, they maxed out all yep. their credit cards, and now yep. they need another ten thousand dollars from Kickstarter to finish the game. And they're so close, and they need your money. Yeah. And it sounds like a televangelist church, so they need your money right now. And they're the church of John, whatever the hell his name is, from uh, last week tonight. John Oliver? Yeah. The Our Lady of Perpetual something or other that I can't remember right now. So I think yeah. that's the unfortunate reality of video games is that they are they are money-driven and money-based. and it's, it's the reality of anything you do nowadays. Everything and anything you need money. If you're going to make a film, money. You want to be an artist, money. You want to go jack off a baboon. You're going to need money to get yourself out of jail later because they're going to throw you in there. Or Hopefully we'll cut that. Or you just need money to become a veterinary tech and 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 get hired by the zoo to do it for, as part of their uh, repopulation efforts. You still need money. <laughs> the point is, you need money to do just about anything in this world. And especially with games you just need money if you don't have an angel investor uh, you're gonna have to choose whichever particular poison pill that you want that day it's a sad reality that early access has gone to this depth because it was a great idea it was it is an absolutely brilliant idea and i want to like it but i can't support it anymore me personally I, i i will not be burned by another early access game i will agree to to a point like anything you have to be careful kickstarter and early access stuff are not the same as pre-ordering even though they seem to fill that role lately yeah but in some cases it is like if you if it's a do your homework obsidian did one for pillars of eternity yep Obsidian is probably going to finish a game that's their love child. They they can pull money from other games like South Park Stick of Truth and make save that. Like they they did the oh gosh, I'm going to completely blow this. They were the guys who did uh or am I thinking of someone else? I thought they did New Vegas, right? They made New Vegas. They could pull a lot of money from that. Let's be honest here. They'll probably be a safe bet. But guys like uh, the guys who were doing Star Citizen, not so much. It's yeah, not a safe bet. he's he is something of a media darling though. So they're they're they got a lot of their money, I think, from uh from outside investors right. for probably a lot of that ninety something million dollars or whatever they've raised so far is probably from not quite publishers but big investors. But just as another example of someone who you'd think would be a safe bet, Lord British, I'm not I'm not at all comfortable with the way that Shadow of the uh, of the avatar is going it's yeah. still in alpha and it's been in alpha for almost three years but when you're making an mmo it can take three to four years for it to get anywhere the trouble was he did not originally advertise it as mmo it was supposed yeah, to it, be it's it's both it, it was you could play it single player or you could play it as an mmo i was not under that impression i was under the impression it was a single player with multiplayer aspects to it like you could yeah. play as the avatar and then have Multiplayer is in co-op multiplayer, not an MMO. That yeah, was never advertised as an MMO. I think when it I invested was. It. Like, when I, I think invested it, it, it was not. 
I promise. Yeah, and that's, I think, where we're going to disagree because I'm pretty sure in the original Kickstarter pitch, that's what they advertised. Like, it's going to be a single-player game that will also be an MMO. I, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have I to know, check. Man. We will check. We will, I will link check. it in the show notes, and it, there will be follow-up in the next episode over yeah. which one of us was correct. Either way, I was... I'm not exactly pleased with the way the direction's yeah. going, and I'm kind of regretting the $10 investment. Yeah, it's only $10, but I'm still regretting <laughs> the investment. Uh, those are the best kind of investments to regret. Yep. I could have yep. bought beer with that money. I could have. This is 12 bucks. It would have gone to an extra $2. <laughs> All right. So any last shout-outs or, or things you want to... Uh, draw people's attention to come and check out the fallout 3 gameplay i've been playing a lot lately i've been doing pretty much nothing but streaming for most of the week i've been playing heroes of the storm with my buddy dan other dan Mm -hmm. dan has joined too but for a different string of episodes we've been playing with dave of tadpog his cousin dave which gets really interesting because we had dan dan and dave and dave which was a really fun time yes it was (laughs) everybody got confused uh people died the characters, not the actual people. But I'm still playing Fallout 3. I'll be continuing that. I'm starting up the pit sometime this weekend because tomorrow night I will be very unavailable. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, I'll be doing all kinds of streaming. Come join me. There'll be Fallout New Vegas after that. And I'm super stoked and I'll be streaming the hell out of Fallout 4 once it comes out. Nice. What about um, you? you anything? Yes, but no. For the next start, starting on Monday, I am moving, and then once I get settled into the new place, I I'm actually probably going to start up a streaming Minecraft at least once a week because I'm. We talked about it last week. I really love the idea of doing like just a vanilla ish server. I can't see what you're holding up. My Minecraft server, Raspberry Pi Minecraft. Yes, that is the SD card, which I will go in my next Raspberry Pi, which will be the Minecraft server, a dedicated server for Minecraft. And it's going to be very fun. Yeah, my plan right now is uh, I'm still kind of looking at a couple of different hosting services. It's going to be vanilla Minecraft of, I think, 1.8.8, whatever the, the most recent one is. The only mod I'm planning to put on it is called Not Enough Items, which allows you to like basically search items and see how they're built because... Mm-hmm. Because it's handy when you're teaching people about Minecraft. If I can just go blue, 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 and type in, you know, crafting table, and it'll show you the formation of what kind of blocks you need for a crafting table. Uh, Although, with the new iteration, they've actually implemented the Xbox's system of Minecraft uh, for crafting. If you're not familiar with it, you can actually, it is quite searchable, and you don't have to worry about configurations anymore. You can actually just poke the crafting table, and it'll build the crafting table for you. Ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I'll have to definitely have to take a look at that and see what see what kind of new stuff they have. But yeah, so so I'm planning on doing that at least once a week and kind of doing a vanilla playthrough, starting off at the beginning and going all the way through beating the game, because uh, I've never actually beaten Minecraft. Uh, I can guarantee you'll be at least still streaming that once or twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing I I would love to do uh, in a limited aspect uh, is open the server up to some degree and have other people around and kind of have I mean I have like a little little segregated part where my newbieville is for my stream. A periphery. Yeah, and then everyone else can kind of like we'll have our own little area where we can run around and goof off and and do whatever and people can strike out and and make their own life. I don't know if I will kill everything by ending the game by killing the Ender Dragon, but that'll be fun to find out too. But Hooray yeah, destruction. But but that's that's probably not going to start for a couple of weeks until I finish moving and get everything set back up and unpacked. 
Um, yeah, at the very least, we're going to be a couple weeks on hiatus for that. Yeah. Not that I think the actual podcast stream will be able to tell because we're still banking episodes right now. Yep. And yep. so it'll be seamless for you guys. And, and Yeah, you don't worry about it. We're just pulling the curtain back a little bit to show you what's going on behind the scenes. So yeah, feel free to join Paul when he's when he's streaming Fallout. Uh, I, I actually want to play through New Vegas again because I haven't touched most of the uh, expansions. and Much better than Fallout 3's expansions. Guaranteed. Much, um, much better. Because Mothership Zeta is garbage. Enjoy me when when I get Minecraft going. And if you're wanting to learn or just wanting to mess around, uh, you might be able to get access to the Minecraft server. Ooh. We'll um, be doing a little bit of vetting on that, I'm sure. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, so join us. Send us an email. As always, podcast at loadedcartgaming.com. If you um, want to contact me directly, it's paul at loadcardgaming.com. If you want to contact Dan, it's chop the bike. It's just chop at loadcardgaming. Just, just chop at loadcardgaming.com. And if we haven't said it enough, find us at loadcardgaming.com. All right. Have a good one. Cheers. Double dip the chip.